Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. How's this for a scary headline? Underground zombie streams threaten to turn D.C. back into a real-life swamp. Now, what clickbait organization would write such a headline? Oh, it's the Washington Post. And in fact, the nation's capital was built on landfill or soil put over layers of water. And apparently some of those, some of that water may be coming up in places. The so-called zombie streams. Here's an interesting item. Kimberly Guilfoyle, my former Fox News colleague, now of course engaged to Donald Trump Jr., um, got into a bit of awkwardness on her podcast when she told Trump attorney, Alina Haba, get my fiancé and his brother off. Meaning, get them cleared from this uh, New York civil fraud trial. Kimberly says, really don't want to have to support Junior for the rest of his life. And then... There were some sparkles on the screen, so it, it turns out it's like, you know, little, um, what would you call them? They're not icons. They're just little symbols that you can put on a chat you're watching on your phone. Kimberly, they're going to say we're like witches now. Bewitched. Everything. You should be worried. Maybe it's true. Anyway, you're the absolute best, babe. Just a little taste of what's going on there. If you've seen the pictures of this Iceland volcano, they are really, they're scary in the way that the uh, Washington Post headline was not. Uh, fortunately, there was enough advance notice that that entire area apparently was evacuated in advance. But wow, this is, doesn't look like your ordinary volcano to me. This is huge. New York is looking into reparations. Oh, it must be election time. Governor Kathy Hochul signing a bill uh, for a commission to study the history of slavery, which was outlawed in New York in 1827. That was early. Uh, subsequent impact on housing discrimination, blah, blah, blah. New York joining California and Illinois at the forefront of reparations efforts. I don't know. You go down the road. I'm not saying... There hasn't been an impact from all those decades of slavery that we fought a civil war over. But, you know, this family deserves money because their relatives were slaves and this family doesn't deserve money. I, I don't know. It just seems like a hopeless task. Meanwhile, everybody's acting like COVID is over. Right? I see people walking around. Almost nobody's wearing masks. Nobody talks about it. Nobody's worried about it. But the piece, uh, this piece from Axios says that wastewater analysis across the country, and this is a very good way of detecting levels of COVID, are showing 
high levels of COVID-19 heading into the holiday travel time. Um, almost every state reporting is showing at least high levels, with many reporting very high levels, according to the CDC. 67,000 deaths related to COVID-19 so far this year. Now, that's a hell of a lot less than 246,000 last year and 463,000 in 2021, but it's not nothing, 67,000 dead Americans. Uh, 22 states have these are reporting these very high levels, most of them in the Midwest and Mid-Atlantic. Enough data here to show a worsening COVID-19 situation, especially with uh, hospitalizations going up. So I just thought I would throw that out there because it's a story that, you know, once absolutely positively dominated our lives, and I'm glad that's not the case anymore, but it hasn't completely vanished. And in fact, we're looking at a troubling increase, as tends to happen in the winter when lots of people are forced indoors. Story number one, this is what you want to hear about, the Colorado Supreme Court kicking Donald Trump off the state's primary ballot. Now, I'm going to give you all the coverage, but I must say, this was, you know, I happened to be watching TV at the time that this happened. I mean, on MSNBC, they were practically popping champagne corks. You know, three or four legal analysts came on. Every single one said this is great or this is uh, historic was a word used by a lot of papers and on television. And yeah, it's not inaccurate. It is a historic ruling. But at the same time, it was utterly denounced by conservatives especially last night on Fox, and either praised or the way it was picked apart was this is finally a chance for the Republican Party to save itself and get Donald Trump to go away. But this whole 14th Amendment article, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, I should say, um... Several states have looked at this. None of them have banned Donald Trump. Along comes Colorado, and it's a 4-3 decision, and the four in the majority are all Democratic appointees. And the other thing I need to say right up front is, well, two things. One, if this is upheld by the Supreme Court, it doesn't even stop Donald Trump from winning the nomination. He doesn't need Colorado. He can get over the top in delegates probably by the middle of March unless there's a huge upset. So it's not quite as explosive as it may sound. And secondly, I don't see any way SCOTUS doesn't overturn this. The Supreme Court has the right to review decisions by the state's highest courts, and obviously this is an issue of great national importance. And it's not, as I said the other day, uh, like the Supreme Court has been easy on Donald Trump, has ruled against him, 
despite the 6-3 conservative majority on a number of things related to the 2020 election fraud claims and so forth. But this, I mean, just think about what the reaction would be if it was reversed. If for some reason, something that Joe Biden had done and Colorado Supreme Court says he can't appear on the primary ballot. Then, of course, all these conservatives who are attacking the rule, most of them, I believe, would be putting on their party hats. And most of the liberals who are welcoming this, cheering it on, would be outraged, would be utterly infuriated. So for all the things that Trump says and does, and we talked at length yesterday about the anti-immigrant language, and I'll come back to that. I just think this ruling is an outrage. It, It fulfills, it looks nakedly partisan, and it fulfills the, it fuels, I should say, the narrative of so many Trump critics that he must be stopped at any cost, but it also fuels the narrative that you know, Democrats, the media, the deep state, you name it, will just use any means necessary to keep Donald Trump from reaching the White House again. All right, New York Times, Colorado's top court ruling that Trump is disqualified from holding office again because he engaged in insurrection with his actions leading up to the January 6th storming of the Capitol, an explosive ruling that will likely put the basic contours of the 2024 election in the hands of the U.S. Supreme Court. First in the nation to find that Section 3, as I mentioned, of the 14th Amendment, which disqualifies people who engage in insurrection against the Constitution, after taking an oath to support it, applies to Trump. The ruling directs the Colorado Secretary of State, who I've seen on TV, it doesn't seem too too broken up about this, to exclude Trump's name from the state's Republican primary battle. It doesn't say anything about the general election. We do not reach these conclusions likely, said the majority. We are mindful of the magnitude and weight of the questions now before us. We are likewise mindful of our solemn duty to apply the law without fear or favor and without being swayed by public reaction to the decisions that the law mandates we reach. A statement from a Trump campaign spokesman. Unsurprisingly, the all-Democrat appointed Colorado Supreme Court has ruled against President Trump, supporting a Soros-funded left-wing group scheme. The suit was filed by a half-dozen Colorado voters, but I haven't looked into whether they're part of a left-wing scheme, to interfere in election on behalf of crooked Joe Biden by removing President Trump's name from the ballot and eliminating the rights of Colorado voters to vote for the candidate of their choice. Now, what is interesting, though, is that the three justices who dissented did so on procedural grounds. They didn't challenge the finding, the central finding, that Trump engaged in insurrection. Or whether Section 3 applies to the presidency, which is sort of the key legal linchpin here. They each wrote a dissenting opinion, and they each said that the court, the lower court, 
had overstepped its authority. Also interesting, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, all saying this should not have happened, it's an abuse of power, the Supreme Court should overturn it. Chris Christie saying Donald Trump should not be removed from a ballot by a court. He should be removed by the voters. It's just interesting. Um, okay, some takeaways from the Washington Post. Trump denied comparisons to dictators, such as Adolf Hitler on Tuesday, as he repeated his claim that undocumented immigrants are destroying the blood of our country. He said it again. It's true. This is a speech in Iowa. They're destroying the blood of our country. They don't like it when I said that. I never read Mein Kampf. That's a reference uh, by his late wife, Ivana, to the idea, at least, that he had a bunch of pro-Trump speeches in his nightstand. They said, oh, Hitler said that, in a much different way. Now they're coming from all over the world. People all over the world, we have no idea. They could be healthy. They could be very unhealthy. They could bring in disease that's going to catch on in our country, but they do bring in crime. Now, Maggie Haberman, in her book Confidence Man, wrote that a pal of Trump's, Marty Davis, was not Jewish, but gave Trump the book My New Order. This is the collection of speeches because he thought he would find it interesting. Trump, who's running on a hardline immigration platform, has previously used dehumanizing rhetoric to describe undocumented immigrants. He launched his campaign in 2016, talking about Mexico, some of them being rapists who brought in crime and drugs. Yet his latest statements come amid concerns among experts and historians that a second Trump term would be more extreme than his first. A lot of these stories right now, quoting historians, well, many of these historians are anti-Trump or liberal. I'm not saying we should dismiss their opinions, but it's a way of not saying the media are pushing this. The media are up in arms over Trump's uh, language. Now, here's the takeaways. I kind of jumped ahead to um, the poisoning of the blood controversy. Tuesday will go down as a momentous date in American political history, says the Washington Post. The decision, the first of its kind involving Trump, would keep him off the 2024 primary ballot. A state court, state district court that has previously ruled that Trump had engaged in insurrection, but that the relevant section of the 14th Amendment did not apply to presidents. This gets into the question of presidential immunity which also could affect the January 6th prosecution of Donald Trump. The state Supreme Court upheld the finding, first finding, but reversed the latter in this 4-3 ruling. In other words, the only thing that stopped the lower court was whether or not Section 3 of the amendment applies to presidential actions by incumbents at the time. Now, the high court in Colorado delaying the ruling until at least January 4th, just before the deadline for the Secretary of State to certify the primary ballot to give SCOTUS time to review the issues if it takes the case. I can't imagine 
SCOTUS won't take the case. I can't imagine. I shouldn't say I can't imagine, but I find it highly unlikely that the Supreme Court of the United States would let this stand. Trump's already said he'll appeal, or his campaign has. Colorado has trended blue in recent decades. It is not considered a competitive state. Biden won uh, last time around 13 and a half points. That makes it the 14th bluest state. The kind of state that if Trump ever won it, he would most likely secure more than enough electoral votes to be elected. Peace goes on to say that Trump won't even need Colorado. He may have enough state victories by Super Tuesday to have wrapped up the nomination. Now, if the Supreme Court doesn't move quickly enough, Trump would stay on the ballot by default, or could stay on the ballot by default. Kamala Harris was on Lawrence O'Donnell's MSNBC show last night. She talked about Trump's rhetoric. She said, it is language that is meant to divide. It is language that I think people have rightly found similar to the language of Hitler. Now, the campaign is starting to let her play a bigger role, do more interviews. She's now on a reproductive freedom tour to call attention to the abortion issue. And all of which is raising her profile, and that's good for the ticket, potentially. As the president seems to get increasingly unpopular, last two polls I saw, 37 or 38 percent approval rating. Speaking of polls, Donald Trump continues to march to the 2024 Republican nomination with the commanding lead, says a new New York Times poll. Even as a strong majority of voters nationwide believe he has committed serious federal crimes, including a growing faction of Republicans. So let's stop right there and pause and take a breath. A strong majority of voters believe, yes, some of this stuff in the four indictments is solid. And Trump has committed serious crimes, including many Republicans. But then, 58% nationwide say Trump committed serious federal crimes, including 66% of independent voters. That sounds like a real problem in a general election. Yet Trump continues to clobber his closest Republican competitors by more than 50 points in the primary, pulling in 64% of Republican primary voters nationwide. Nikki Haley, 11%. Ron DeSantis, 9%. The governor of Florida, at least in this poll, nationally, in single digits. Trump is leading not only because he dominates among the log share of Republicans who see him as innocent, but because he's also winning one in three Republican voters who think he engaged in serious criminality. 62% of Republicans say if he wins the primary, he should remain the nominee even if he's later convicted of a federal crime. I mean, this is the old I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue argument. There with Donald no matter what. 
It's not that they don't, well, a lot of them do believe he's innocent and being persecuted. More than one in five Republican voters think Trump has committed crimes, and 13% of Republicans believe that he should be found guilty of trying to overturn the 2020 election. For now, Biden is winning only one-third of Republicans who think that Trump should be found guilty, leaving Biden room to gain support. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Number two, Mitch McConnell, who doesn't usually comment on Trump, came out and said about the poisoning the blood of our country remarks, the Senate Republican leader invoking his wife, Elaine Chao, born in Taiwan, served as Trump's transportation secretary. Well, said Mitch, it strikes me it didn't bother him when he appointed Elaine Chao, Secretary of Transportation, told us to reporters. But he didn't answer when he was asked, are you comfortable with your party's leading presidential candidate referring to illegal immigrants as poisoning the blood of our country? By the way, Elaine Chao came here legally, so it's a little bit of an unfair comparison. But clearly, it stung Senator McConnell. Every once in a while, for example, in October, McConnell said he can't disagree more with Trump's assertion that the terrorist group Hezbollah is smart. Number three, stop the presses. A fair story about Donald Trump in the New York Times. Like maybe one out of every 20 are like this in the sense that they stand so prominently in exception to the other 19. Former President Trump has consistently generated headlines on the campaign trail for his apocalyptic, often violent rhetoric, and for extreme policy proposals. They include his vow to use the DOJ to prosecute his foes, his statement that he would be a dictator but only on the first day, his use of language echoing authoritarian leaders. Okay, well, now that's out of the way. But those comments are wrapped around more traditional political statements. A significant portion of Trump's stump speech focuses on core conservative issues that are the bread and butter of Republican politics. Though they draw less media attention, translation, we hardly ever cover this stuff, and neither does anybody else, his statements on those issues, which often push the edge of truth, okay, they're just getting in the jabs here, appear to resonate more with his audience. Um, here are Trump, some of Trump's biggest applause lines, a speech in Reno on Sunday. He's building on two safety-related messages from his previous campaign when he stoked fear about urban crime in Democratic-run cities and staked out a hardline position on immigration. He's trying to present himself again as a law and order candidate, vaguely alluding to crimes in cities led by Democrats, which he blames on progressive politicians. 
pocketbook concerns central to Trump's campaign, of course. He's recently begun using this slogan, better off with Trump, telling voters that the economy was better when he was president. Drill, baby, drill. Which harkens back to previous campaigns, a rallying cry for Trump. America must be less reliant on imports of oil and gas. He wants greater domestic production of fossil fuels as a solution. He's always criticizing Biden on not only environmental restrictions, but rolling back the Biden effort to encourage Americans to transition to electric vehicles. There is no federal electrical federal electric vehicle mandate, as Trump often claims, the Times adds in a little fact check. So, an actual article, criticisms included, about Trump acting like a Republican, acting like a candidate, talking about issues that affect everyday Americans and not just this more uh, harsh and extreme rhetoric. Now, here's a story. This is sort of the double-down day. Washington Post. Kind of swallowing information from the Trump campaign, but nevertheless... Trump campaign anticipates winning enough bound delegates to secure the nomination by March, setting up an early pivot to the general election. Campaign's own analysis of its internal polling, mixed with public surveys, puts Trump on track to win potentially 973 delegates by Super Tuesday, which is March 5th, and 1,478 by March 19th. It takes 1,215 delegates to win the nomination. That's the magic number. Every four years it changes. Now, this also reflects rule changes that the campaign pushed through state party committees, such as awarding all of California's delegates to any candidate who wins more than 50%. Winner take all. Also, the Trump campaign, oh, the Trump campaign is confident going to this piece, looking at a wider battleground map against Biden. Could include such Democratic-leaning states as Minnesota, New Hampshire, and Virginia. Okay, this sounds more like a wish list. Oh, the campaign would not be running a prevent defense. Uh, The foreign president said uh, during a morning briefing with reporters at his golf club. Still have to run it out, Trump said. Current polling would produce a victory for Trump of 292 electoral votes to Biden's 246, the unnamed campaign official said. Now, winning the nomination in March would come at the same time as at least the scheduled start of the federal January 6th case against Trump here in D.C. Oh, but a super PAC supporting Trump launching TV ads against Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, where she has gained a lot of the polls. It's the one state where she appears to have broken through. She's still about 15 points down. Focuses on Haley's position on taxes, attempting to hammer her for changing her stance on a gas tax back when she was governor of South Carolina. Shows her saying in 2013 she'd never support raising the gas tax, and then in 2015 saying, let's increase the gas tax by 10 cents. 
New Hampshire can't afford Nikki high-tax Haley. And back to President Biden, Axios reporting that even though he's told aides, I feel so much younger than my age, he is in fact 81 years old. Okay, that's not breaking news. But current and former aides say Biden is extraordinarily energetic for his age, but his repeated insistence that he feels so young can draw eye rolls. Some current and former aides believe Biden doesn't realize how old he can come across. He pushes up against his limits and that, uh, limits, and that sometimes creates a cycle in which he wears himself out, then appears fatigued during public events. It's absolute, the second part is absolutely true, which can increase concerns about his age. Kind of a bad news cycle. He is his own worst enemy when it comes to his schedule, said a former Biden aide. Jill Biden has taken an active role trying to get her husband to pull back, eat better, rest more, and travel less. And she did this when he was vice president, too. So the inner circle recognizes this. The question is whether POTUS does. Okay, Michelle Goldberg, liberal columnist for the New York Times, said the first Trump presidency seemed like a grotesque accident. But a second Trump term, which we're lurching toward with eyes open, if he wins again, it won't be a shock, and no one will be able to claim, as many did before, this is not who we are. Ex-president's rhetoric is incredibly Hitlerian. And anti-Trump forces seem stunned and dejected. The flood of money that kept the resistance flush through the Trump years has slowed to a trickle. We have to fight fatalism, says Michelle Goldberg. My great hope is that anti-Trump Americans can transcend exhaustion, burnout, and self-protective pessimism to mobilize once again for the latest, most important election of our lifetimes. One place to start, donations to grassroots organizations working on voter turnout, which are desperately underfunded. You can also get involved with the campaigns to put referendums, referendums protecting abortion rights on the ballot. Next year, it's going to be up to all of us as to whether it's going to be disastrous. It actually calls for donating money. Yes, get out the vote groups are not instinctively partisan, but the party that needs that right now are the Democrats. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. Number four, New York Post reporting on this, which I just think is an absolute slam dunk and surprise it's not getting more attention. The head of a Gaza hospital has admitted to being a senior Hamas commander and detailed how the terror group transformed the medical site into an operational hub that once housed a kidnapped Israeli soldier, Ahmad Kalat, this is not one of the biggest hospitals in Gaza, made his taped confession to the Israeli security service after he was arrested at the facility. And he joined Hamas in 2010. He had a rank equivalent to a brigadier general. general. Uh, 
Collat revealed that about 16 hospital staffers, including doctors, nurses, paramedics, clerks, were also members of Hamas's notorious military wing. The medical facility under his care had been turned into an elaborate military hub where up to 100 Hamas terrorists had been holed up for days before moving to a different location. That justifies everything that Israel has said. You could say, okay, this guy's in custody. Maybe he has to uh, say these things. But I don't believe the Israelis were holding a gun to his head. Asked by the interrogator why Hamas chose the hospital. Because from their perspective, the hospital is a safe place. They won't be harmed inside the hospital. But he also ripped other leaders of the terror organization, calling them cowards. They left us out in the open while they have gone into hiding. The people who are the ones who got screwed. They sacrificed us, unfortunately. I'm sorry, senior Hamas commander, the people are the ones who got screwed. The terrorist organization that not only hides behind civilians in places like hospitals, but which committed unspeakable atrocities against Israel on October 7th. Axios now, meanwhile, reported, got a lot of Axios today, um, that Israel is offering for a one-week pause uh, through intermediaries in Qatar as part of a new deal to get Hamas to release more than three dozen hostages. Two Israeli officials told the website that I find interesting because it seemed like it seems like Bibi was just ignoring everything that the Biden administration has been asking for. All right, number five, Washington Post takeout on the new Netflix uh, numbers that have been publicly released for the first time. I barely have time to watch Netflix, let alone analyze these statistics. But just to give you the takeaways in the increasingly popular language of everyday websites and newspapers, Gilmore Girls is a juggernaut. The 2013 Netflix original House of Cards got 68 million viewing hours. But Gilmore Girls, a fantastic if uneven show that never really got its critical due and ended in 2007, the year Netflix started streaming, um, has accumulated 488 million hours. Wowza. Um, being a young mom is hard. CW's Jane the Virgin garnered 180 million hours in its second life on Netflix. They do a lot of recycling there, but you know people want to watch it. The Glory, the South Korean drama about a woman who dedicates her adult life to destroying the lives of her vicious high school billies is a mega hit for a reason. Seems to be a real appetite for women who go to the mattresses. Another popular category, Serial killers, devils, and zombies are thriving. The oddly named Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, actually has only 63 million hours. The Walking Dead, name pretty much implies what it's about, scored 738 million hours across 11 seasons. Teen shows are big. Mindy Cowling's uh, Never Have I Ever, 341 million hours. Latinos are attracting huge audiences. 
the uh, show Wednesday with Jenna Ortega, 507 million hours. Uh, South Korean dramas are a big hit. And the final conclusion, nobody watches comedy specials. Well, that's obviously an exaggeration. They have a few million views. Interestingly, some of the up-and-comers getting more FaceTime on Netflix than the more established, famous comedians. So those get a lot of uh, media attention. But apparently they're just not in the same league as these other hit categories on Netflix. And now you know. What you watch may or may not be popular. Hey, thanks for staying with us for the full time of this podcast. I never take you for granted. Always appreciate your time. And for that reason and that reason alone, I will be back tomorrow with more BuzzMeter. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts and via Apple Podcasts, and Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. 